Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Yeah, I've been working pretty hard about making everything uniform and making everything up to my specifications. I got all the very strict peanut-based specifications. Yeah, I told you we talked about it before the show. A peanut town is a thing. A I came peanut from town a peanut town. Is not a thing. All right, a peanut. Well, a peanut, it is. A town runs on peanuts. I bet you there's a town named Peanut. Sure, that's fine, but that's not a peanut town. It there's would no be. town that's got a peanut-based economy unless they're literally <laughs> using peanuts as money. That's what they do. That's not what you did. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everybody. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hot peanut debate. I come from a pistachio town. I like pistachios. And this is my problem. So I got to deal with a peanut. You know how we used to deal with peanut people like you? Kill them in their fucking sleep. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> pistachios are ridiculous, though. They're like dating a model. They're so difficult to crack. Peanuts are just a chick you found at the bar. That's the problem. Is I like a selective nut. I guess so. I like a nut that I need tiny little nails for. I have to grow my nails out like I'm a professional guitar player. Well, speaking of tiny little nails, today's subject matter is particularly intense, quite disturbing, dare I say, overall disgusting. You've asked for him. We're giving him to you. Heavy hitter, Albert Fish. Albert the Carp Fish. <laughs> That's, that was his nickname, wasn't it? Oh, big floppy, floppy, stinky carp. Yeah. This guy was horny. Yes, and he like was- and, and like Carp, if you met him, you should have slammed his head against a rock because he's an infestation. He was definitely born bad and should have been killed as a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. without a doubt. I mean, this guy was a born sociopath. There was This guy had absolutely no feeling whatsoever. As we know about sociopaths, every sociopath has a game. They all have something that makes them feel good. Of course, because they can't have no connection to other human beings. They have that one thing that makes them feel good, but... Except for Albert Fish, who apparently had about 30 or 40 things that made him feel good. No, but the things made him feel bad and then made him feel good. you got to flip and reverse it again. (laughs) He's going to miss the Elliot every single time. Now, you you asked for this. Yeah. Um, You wanted this episode. We've wanted to give you this episode for a long time. It's like we read about the Grace Bud Letter. I know I have. I've read the Grace Bud Letter several times. It does not make me horny. It doesn't. I did not get hard reading the Grace Bud Letter. But you did read it multiple times. Yes, I have. I had to <laughs> more than for research. once. No, for research. For research. Um, and hmm. anybody who's into serial killers has read the Grace Bud Letter. You know that he wrote the letter to Grace Bud's parents and telling them that he ate them and he did not ate her eat do- their daughter and he did not fuck her. So she remained a virgin when she died. Now. I thought that was the most fucked up thing that he did, really. Right. I know that he was a sexual well, idiot. That, that's in the top ten still of the worst things that he did. Honestly, could we be gotta put the, We're putting the Bud Letter in the top ten. I would say top 20. <laughs> it's definitely the Christmas special. All right. 
Um, and but uh, this is uh, this story. A, a lot of t- today's episode comes from the book Depraved by Harold Schechter, yep. the Kermit-sounding uh, true crime writer. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, the same guy that wrote uh, Deviant by uh, that was about Ed Gein. He also wrote a great book about H. H. Holmes. Harold Schechter, my favorite true crime author by far. All of his stuff is fantastic. And, and it then, was, of course, he has a great book that is uh, going on sale soon called Why Did She Leave Me? <laughs> Maybe I have you- no one. <laughs> Subtitle: I have no one. Right. Um, I did not realize the extent of Albert Fish's deviancy mm. until I read this book. Uh, I kind of had an idea. I knew that he invented sticking things up his penis, and he, he was a real fucking prince that way. He was a real Tom Waits when sure. it came to spanking himself. <laughs> mm. But this, th- this story is so disgusting and so depraved. I hope you just understand that and that we're doing three episodes of it. So you're fucked. Have you got a problem right now? If, if anything that we say in the first 15 minutes of this makes you like a, viscerally upset, like kind of right. queasy. Well, keep on listening. You're going to love all three episodes. <laughs> uh, perhaps you could re- recommend they smoke some weed or something, Henry. No. No, this is a this sober is, episode. This is a, well, I'm going to recommend get a bottle of whiskey, light a candle like you're a 1950s detective, and you're going to solve this case with us. Yeah. What do you mean solve the case? <laughs> I don't know. Elmer Fish did it. My problem is, is that if you solve the case, I feel like that means in the end that one of these stories is going to make you horny. All right. So hopefully you don't solve <laughs> Don't the solve case. the case. Do not solve the case. Yeah. All right. Strap in, fuckers. It's time to enter the nightmare. That is the world of Albert Fish, a.k.a. the Ogre of Murder Lodge, the Vampire Man, the Orgiastic Fiend, the Moon Maniac, the Aged Thrill Killer, the Werewolf of Wisteria, and perhaps most terrifyingly, the Gray Man. Albert Fish was a pedophile and child killer who brutally murdered and ate at least three children during the early 20th century. I believe children should be eaten and not heard. That's true. <laughs> Although I think, I think they are heard when they're being eaten. Because they're screaming. Yes. <laughs> now, while we will never know the absolute truth as to how many children Albert Fish killed and raped before he was caught at the age of 64, one Supreme Court justice who was privy to the investigation of Fish's past put the number of murders at around 15 and the amount of molestations in the hundreds. Wow. Hundradios of molestations. <laughs> Cannot believe yeah. that. Because think about it. You know how like dogs, they say one year in a dog's life is seven years in human life? Yeah, I've heard that before. One year in Albert Fish's molest life is like 25 years in a normal molester's life. <laughs> That's So Fish was what one psychiatrist referred to as a quote, psychiatric phenomenon. Unlike any other killer that we've covered, Fish's motivations for killing hit all four types of serial killers at one point or another during his life. He suffered from religious mania and thought God told him to kill, making him a visionary killer. And we know that for a fact because during his confessions and in, in his trial, he said that well, when he was talking to psychiatrists towards the end to desperately prove that he was insane to them, he said that Jesus came to him and told him he had to kill Grace Bud because if not, she was going to grow up to be a whore. Yeah. So and- he was trying to prove that he was insane. Yes. yes. We're going to get into that. Yes. Of course. And that uh, him saying that he killed Grace Bud so she wouldn't grow up to be a harlot, that would make him a missionary killer as well. And like almost all serial killers who murder children, and like many non-homicidal pedophiles, he was a power control killer. Now what does that mean? Mm. That means that he likes to, 
basically any child that died of su- suffocation, which is most of the children he murdered, we're going to see the same thing in Dennis Rader. We're going to you can actively compare Albert Fish to Dennis Rader. Oh yeah, where it's about the it's about the slow murder. It's about the complete acquisition of somebody. It's why somebody goes for a small child instead of a big burly man. Yeah, because the thing is they don't understand if you kill a big burly man and big burly man and you, right before you kill him you jerk mm-hmm. him off you're gonna get so much more splooge out of him. That's right. So it's power control visionary and missionary. Yeah, b- power control visionary missionary. But the type that Albert Fish fits into best is hedonistic Ooh. because Albert Fish's sexual perversions. I would say they are almost mythical in their variety. He's yeah, like a leprechaun. Like what? What <laughs> yeah. makes what makes a unicorn all hard? And I bet oh, it no. if if you spanked its asshole, and I'm not talking about its meat around its asshole, I'm talking about right in its asshole. Right, right, that's right. good. To get a unicorn ready to have sex. Well, I just I want to say I'm very upset with Rosie O'Donnell because as soon as you said the name hedonistic, the word hedonistic, I thought of Exit to Eden that's and Rosie O'Donnell and S and M gear. No, no, no. Is no, that no, what? No, am I wrong? No, no, no. no. <laughs> that's the most like, horrifying image I've had since. We've been talking Ugh, here. It's like a minion wrapped in leather. <laughs> Ooh, he has to the Eden. same body as a minion. Who greenlit Exit to Eden? Okay, we have to move on. Can you imagine the man who's like, we need to get the most beautiful girl in the world to be in something to really get audiences in there. Somebody who's still kind of hey. funny, but someone beautiful. What about Rosie O'Donnell? Oh my God, I just came in my pants. <laughs> That's an incredible idea. Well, one psychiatrist said about Albert Fish, quote, I can tell you that, to the best of my medical knowledge, every sexual abnormality that I have ever heard of, this man has practiced. Not only has he thought about it, not only has he daydreamed about it, but he has practiced it. For example, he has practiced oral perversions on the rectums of men and women and was also extremely interested in urine. It's the term extremely interested. Right. (laughs) A psalm. A sommelier of this. Because it's definitely, it's extremely interested just sounds like, it's like a geologist. Right. It also sounds like the urine's talking to him as if it courted him at a bar. As if he's finally listening to the urine and not just treating the urine like it's a piece of meat, which is also strange. Yeah, that would be strange. That would be more of a thing you do to a lump of shit, which he also liked to eat. Oh, isn't that right? Yeah, that same psychiatrist listed no less than 17 different sexual perversions after interviewing and examining fish after his capture, although some of those perversions, like fellatio, cunnilingus, and homosexuality, haven't been widely accepted as perversions for many a year. They're great now. Yeah, they're great. However, the castration of himself and others, the habit of jabbing sharp implements into oneself or others for the purpose of sexual gratification, Mm. the eating of feces, Mm -hmm. the drinking of urine, Mm. and of course the sexualized cannibalism are still considered to be a little weird, even here in the 21st century. They're a little weird. Well, I mean, I think the stabbing yourself with in the rectum with the needles is the strangest thing. Do you think so? I oh, think so. Over cannibalism. <laughs> uh, well, yes, because we have people who have crashed in the Andes or the Alps, and they need to eat one another for no, this sustenance. Is, this is sexualized cannibalism. In Separate. the Andes, yeah, if you watch Alive, no one in Alive has a boner. I don't, we do don't they? know that. We are wearing we snow pants. Not. See, that's very true. Um, oh, I'm that, popping a tent. Yeah, can you imagine that? They're being like, oh, Pedro, I'm going to believe. When I like to Finally, I get to eat Pedro. I always wanted to be like a part of me forever. Is that weird? I know I'm just a goalie and I don't normally talk very much, but it's just kind of fun that now I got the power forward like inside me like all the time. And ladies and gentlemen, that's today's lesson. Never talk to the goalie. Never talk to the goalie. That's where they wear the mask. But above all, above all of these sexual perversions, Albert Fish was 
a pedophile and, by extension, a murderer of children. Men who murder children almost always have some sort of sexual motivation for committing the act, and almost all of them are sadistic in the hours, days, or even weeks leading up to mm. the actual murder. Well, what we're going to find out is not only did he do quick molests, but he also did uh, molests that took took place over many days. Mm. He would g- take children and he would, he would hold them. He, would, he experienced and did every type of crime towards children that exists. Um, and this is not cool. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of like, he was a lot like Dean Coral, where, but mm. the difference between Albert Fish and Dean Coral, there were two differences. One, uh, Dean Coral, uh, he preferred high school boys, junior high boys, post-pubescent. Tawny men with kind of like abdominal muscles and like brown nipples, like kind of like, like, but <laughs> yeah. not yet so, sort of grown a little bit. I don't know brown nipples. Yeah, I, don't, like, I, don't, I think you're putting the brown... I don't, I don't think that was in the man with I the candy. I think that's a Freudian slip. I think that you want a tiny man with brown nipples. <laughs> no, I'm just saying what, what I imagine Dean Coral will be attracted to. Just a, a live <laughs> oh, basketball player with you. He's got the natural V. He's got a pert little behind, but he's not a full grown man. He's got a wisp of a mustache. <laughs> like a young D'Angelo. Yeah. But uh, Dean Coral. He only had really one sexual perversion. He had one thing that he liked to do, and that was tie the boys up uh, and strangle the boys. I mean, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in I'm there. Not let's, in not, there. let's not minimize We're it. not poo-pooing him at all. Don't poo-poo his strangulation fetish. <laughs> Definitely not. No. Uh, but Albert Fish, he preferred prepubescent boys, uh, and he tried everything that came to his mind and a lot came it's to like, his mind. It's like the difference between a burrata and a fresh firm mozzarella. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. One is more delicate. I guess Albert Fish did save a lot of money on booze. Uh, the people that he was uh, doing terrible things to couldn't drink yet. Yeah, Dean Coral's throwing <laughs> parties every weekend yeah. like he was Jay-Z. <laughs> right. Um, well, another thing that is interesting is that I was reading an article in Psychology Today. You're welcome. <laughs> Do you subscribe now? or No, I got it for free on the internet after looking up child killer psychology, question mark. Uh, um, and it is an article that said it was very interesting is that a lot of times men who kill technically children ages 13 to 17, most of the time they kill in order to get rid of the body. Mm-hmm. The pleasure is in the actual sexual assault. But those that kill from the ages of 5 to 12, normally the killing is a part of the process of their fetish. And Albert Fish is definitely that. What we have here is an instant jump in the sadism in, in of his life that's very, very intense. It goes just from cruelly molesting the children, which is probably in the end some sort of flip-flop version of I love these kids so much I just want to touch them in his head, to I love to hear their screams to I need to make them scream to I need to then also make the scream stop because that's when I cut my pants. Yeah, exactly. Well, he was a lust murderer. A lot of these guys are. I mean, these they, these lust murderers, they use uh, close-up methods of killing. They like to stab. They like to strangle. These are guys like Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, uh, Kennifer Bianchi. Yeah. Uh, these, uh, these guys, they are absolutely... Lust murders above anything and everything else. And this is the most common motiv- uh, motivation for serial killing by far. I just want to say the only time you should make kids scream is for ice cream. <laughs> because that's what they deserve. They want They should grow up and they should have a wonderful childhood and they need to scream for ice cream. Even if it's at knife point? No. You will scream for the ice cream. Well, scream and you honestly, get the ice cream. if you do give them the ice cream and you do not do anything wrong to them, that's okay. But then you didn't in any way, shape, or form make them scream. This is the problem in that in that 
term. In the beginning, is that you have to make them scream for ice cream? <laughs> I think like, only, I want it so bad. I think the only times children should scream is in a choir when they're portraying the the great fire of Chicago. <laughs> when they're oh, doing an acapella so version. <laughs> okay. Now, while lust murderers tend to be sadistic, Fish is different in that he was also masochistic. Perhaps the best known fact about Fish was his predilection towards shoving needles into his own body. An x-ray of his pelvic region showed that he had, at the time of his arrest, at the age of 64, 29 needles in his body. And that didn't even count the ones that had slowly decayed mm. while inside his body over the decades that he'd been doing this. How dangerous it would be to be your colon doctor. Yeah. <laughs> how long of the needles are we talking here? I mean, how did anything puncture an organ? I how mean, did he bleed internally? I mean, we see videos like that of people sitting on light bulbs and whatnot. You do. No, I don't know. No, we see videos like you that. Do. You we, just say in collective we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Just some people are lucky. You got lucky, huh? Yeah, yeah. Some some people have well, a charmed life. There were small, uh, there were small needles, and he okay. slid them into the, the, the kind of the fatty parts of his body uh. because what he really wanted was to stick them in there so far that he couldn't get them out, and so that they would be in him and cause him discomfort for long periods of time. Yeah, mm. and his favorite place to shove them in uh, was. His perineum, a.k.a. his grundle. Ooh. Yeah. His Hershey Highway. Nothing yes. like that strip of brown piece of meat right there just <laughs> begging for some needles in it. Yeah, that's the part where Samwise carries Frodo. <laughs> just yes. right over it into whatever. <laughs> yes. like, into Mordor. Into I Mordor. carry the ring, but I can carry you. <laughs> I think we're traveling through the grundle. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Samwise, what are you doing to your... So oh, my God, Samwise. Oh, look, I'm a pincushion. <laughs> Weird. I'm having one. Uh-oh, fuck. <laughs> but on a number of occasions, instead of just the grundle, Albert Fish tried stabbing his testicles, mm. but that pain was too much even for Albert Fish. Mm. Yeah. And the genital mutilation didn't even come close to stopping there. Not even close. Not, Not even close. close. Wow. Perhaps... <laughs> Perhaps the most inventive was his habit of inserting roses into his urethra. After inserting the rose into his dick hole, he'd prance around in front of the mirror, which I've actually noticed is mm. oddly common among serial killers, the prancing in front of the mirror. A lot of guys do that. And, and comedians. Yeah, and I think that I think that was Tiny Tim's last performance on the Johnny Carson show. Yes. I think he did the uh, that is weird. Weird. Wild. Weird. Wild. Yeah. Edmund, man, what do you think about that? Yes. yes, drunk. And after the prancing and the shoving, sexually satisfied Albert Fish, he'd remove the rose and eat it. Like a horse. Yeah. I guess so. Like, like, yes, that's true. I think if you said this before, Kissel, it's like he was his own vase. Yes, he was his own table setting. <laughs> yes, he was like a little Italian restaurant. Yeah, that's very it's nice. It's kind of cute. In, in a way, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, actually, if it ended, if it started and ended there, I could still be friends with someone who I knew stuck roses up their urethra and pranced around. That's kind of a funny party trick. Yeah, so far, I mean, a, a lot of Albert Just Fish, that. like, if you went, like, a, if Albert Fish was like, like a quarter 
of what he eventually came to be. If you took out the molestation, if you took out the killing, if you took all of that out... Totally changed who he was. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he would just be your super creepy friend that yeah. you invite every once in a while when you got, want to get weird. Like, See, he's I would the guy you get weird with. Never invite him. I would <laughs> never, ever, ever invite him. If I had a friend, if I knew, no matter how good of friends, if I found out that, yeah. Marcus, that you went home and you had pins stuck mm-hmm. up inside of your fucking grundle, yeah. I would well. say, we gotta stop. <laughs> We don't know that he doesn't. That's true. You so just don't say anything. Henry, you really need to bring your judgment dial. Right now, it's about an eight. Wow. I think you need to bring it down to about a seven. You need to bring I would, it down. Actually, I'd say you need to bring it down to about a four, my friend. Wow. For I'll be the carp fish, I'm keeping it at an eight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's true. Because there's no, there's no problem with sexual fetishes, even no. extreme sexual fetishes. The problem is the killing of the boys. Yeah, and, and the lack molest- of consent. Yeah, the lack of consent, the molestation, all that type of stuff. So, how did a man such as Albert Fish come to be? Let's start as we always do with his birth in 1875. Henry, set the scene for us. What was going on in 1875? Nothing but shit. (laughs) Literally, the skies were brown with coal dust. Uh, You've got rattly carts going down the street. Women were forced to have sex with men with handlebar mustaches built into their pubic hair. Oh, like Williamsburg now. (laughs) Yes, yes. Which are trying to go back to these times. The smell of curdled butter was in the air. And there there was nothing but the radio, and the radio was just tales of how great we did kill a Native American. That's true. (laughs) Now, much of what we know about Albert Fish's life comes from a series of interviews he did with the psychiatrist who examined him after his capture. This was the guy that was charged with determining Fish's legal sanity. If he was uh, legally insane or if he was legally sane, pretty much whether he would go to the chair or not. That man was Dr. Frederick Wortham. Comic book nerds might recognize that name as the guy who wrote a book called Seduction of the Innocent, which claimed that the rise of juvenile delinquency in the 50s was directly related to super violent comic books like Tales from the Crypt and all that. And it was because of Seduction of the Innocent that EC went out of business and the Comics Code Authority was created, which was in effect in comic books for like 30 years. It was weird shit, like you couldn't have a werewolf in a comic book. I just want to point out Marcus shoehorned comic books into the Albert Fish episode, everybody. It's a factoid! <laughs> It's an interesting fact. I like it. It is very interesting. It's a very it's a very interesting thing because this guy the this shows that the Albert Fish trial actually had far reaching consequences and ripples yes. in American pop culture. That's right. very good, very good turnaround. Thank you. That was very, very good. <laughs> I love it. Um, now you also remember that so a lot of the stuff we know about Albert Fish comes from his mouth. Now what we do know about Albert Fish is that with the, the mountains of sexual predilections he all, he had, one thing he was truly obsessed with was writing letters and telling stories. He mm. would write lewd letters to people in the classifieds. He would look up people looking for work or people looking for housing or people looking for husbands. He would find these addresses and send them disgusting letters. He mm. loved shocking people. Yeah. So I also wonder where a lot of this information comes from. Is that we're, we're going to hear stories about Albert Fish life that come from Albert Fish. I think a lot of this shit was told to psychologists, number one, to prove that he was insane, and also number two, to shock them because that also got him so super hard. And yeah. It's really just too bad Larry Flint wasn't around to collect all of his great stories because then they could have been published in Hustler. Oh, this is far beyond Hustler. I don't know. I do. Yeah? yeah. I would say this is like... Hustler was pretty wild. Technically, if this was a magazine, it'd be called Hassler. Oh, I see. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we a lot of this stuff does come from Fish's mouth himself, but there is enough actual evidence and there is enough testimony from his family to say with a reasonable amount of certainty that a lot of the stuff that he talks about is at least half true. Well, we talk about with the Satanism, the government stuff. It's like if only 10% of it is true, it still makes him probably in the in the top percentiles of the worst sexual deviance in American history. Right, right. So Albert Fish was actually born Hamilton Fish. Oh. He was named after an ancestor who was governor of New York in the early 1850s. And had also served as Secretary of State for the Ulysses S. Grant administration. Oh, so he's important. He was. He, he was, was like a modern-day Jenna Bush. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it, this was a prestigious New York family. I mean, these people, he right. wasn't born into poverty uh, or squalor like a lot of the serial killers that we cover. This guy was actually a part of New York political royalty. He had politics in his blood, and as we know, business, uh, business executives and most politicians are sociopaths, yep. so this is a direct extension of the qualities that you that you are that are needed to succeed. Honestly, imagine that cousins were fucking here. Oh, I'm Some sure there was not there not a lot of people around. No, and so they were just and the only ones they found attractive were people with the same sallow like Hamilton skin and <laughs> totally. like weird Ulysses S. Grant haunches, like yeah. just big feet and big knees, weird concave foreheads, long vaginas. Yes, mm, all <laughs> full of meat. So Fish changed his name from Hamilton to Albert when he was a teenager to escape his childhood nickname, Ham and Eggs. Now, this is the thing. <laughs> I disagree with changing the name. Ham and Eggs is a fantastic nickname. It's yeah. a jazz man's nickname. <laughs> it is. It's very fun. Because it just sounds like a guy been like, oh, Ham and Eggs, giving them <laughs> breakfast again. <laughs> it's just him playing mouth guitar. Yeah, you can't not tap your toe. <laughs> no, as we said, Fish was born into a fairly well-to-do family, but really it could be cousins fucking each other because the psychiatric history was pretty fucked up. Mm. Uh, the psychologist uh, who uh, interviewed Fish, he found out, and also through records, that in two generations, there were seven cases of extreme psychopathology on both sides of Fish's mm. family, including an uncle who suffered from religious psychosis, an affliction that would drive Fish's murderous behavior throughout his entire life, but specifically around his mid-50s. And even his mother showed schizoid tendencies, hearing noises and seeing things that weren't actually there. And as far as his <coughs> father, Randall Fish went, he was 75 years old when Albert was born, 43 years older than Albert's mother. This is why we got to start tracking the Kennedys, tracking the Romneys, tracking every single political family now, and we have to figure out which one of them is a serial killer and murder them. Murder them <laughs> when they're a baby. When they're a baby like Looper. We got to test you got to test their blood as a baby, cut off yes. one of their toes and then test their, give that to a doctor in a lab, test it for the serial killer gene. Or hold ice cream up to their face if they don't scream for ice cream, they don't have any feelings at all. <laughs> Should I, you obsessed with screaming for this ice cream. I love ice cream. <laughs> you literally go into an ice cream shop and go, ah! And they're like, he wants the rocky road. <laughs> That's right. So the only memories that Albert Fish had of his father were his father's face and the nickname his father gave him, Stick in the mud. No, okay. Mm. It's a disgusting <laughs> nickname to have for a child. Number one, because how do you know when he's by the time he's five that he's even a fucking party pooper? How do yeah. you know that he's a party no, pooper? No, I think stick in the mud is just is a disgusting nickname to have for an uncle. 
<laughs> yeah, stick in the mud is just being naked. It's like, yeah, because I'm the stick and my nephew's the mud. <laughs> right. That's um, more disgusting. That's more disgusting. But the right. problem is that why why was Albert Fish such a party pooper to his father? Do you think that he just wouldn't give it up? Well, two reasons. One, he was a bedwetter. And two, he was extremely sensitive. Oh yeah, that's right. He was a little bitch, and he, but he also was—he <laughs> yes. was a very—that's what they said. Highly, highly sensitive child, and uh, he had one of the major uh, trifecta of a, a childhood of serial killers that he was a, in a very intense bedwetter until his mid-teens. Yeah, and the reason why Albert Fish had so few memories—just the face and the stick in the mud—was because his father, a riverboat captain, until the day he died, dropped dead of a heart attack. Five years after Albert was born. He still had enough cum in him to get one last baby out there. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's because his dad was Bluto. <laughs> That's what we're learning here. His dad was Bluto. <laughs> who's, Just, the, who's the papa in this story? I, uh, Albert his Fish's wife. mother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big forearms, crooked yeah. face. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Shaki Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors big and small some people are presidents some people are soldiers some people have to eat mayonnaise especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what I eat for lunch but I guess I should share that in therapy because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down and what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. 
Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So with the breadwinner out of the picture, Albert's mother shipped five-year-old Albert to an orphanage where he would learn to associate pleasure with pain. And her excuse was the fact that she couldn't find work while having to care for Albert, which is very sad for him, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And it did mm-hmm. bad things to him, especially when you sent him to the orphanage called, like, Home of the Naughty Boy. <laughs> right. Now, it's yeah. a certainty that serial killers are created through a combination of nature and nurture. And I think that without a doubt, had Fish not spent the most formative years of his life in this awful, terrible place, he would not have gone on to be the person he eventually became. He would have been a sociopath, yes. But I do not think that he would have been a child murderer and molester. I don't know. This guy was a real Uncle Jesse. He was such a <laughs> Uncle Jesse boy. never touched any children. I'm just saying, we don't know what he did with those guitars. I feel like what? if Albert the Carp Fish was even in a fucking race car family, he would have put his dick in a muffler. I don't <laughs> like know. Marcus point, makes even... a good point about nature. Yes, yeah. of or course. Or about nurture, rather. Absolutely, of course. I could see him. Yes, of course. You're in an orphanage. Hot, sweaty boys. Nothing but gruel everywhere. Nuns slapping everybody, and they're all live. Fucking just lesbians right out of their towns. I understand <laughs> right. how that's a sexual pot of the coolest Danish fucking d- d- pleasures that a man can imagine. But maybe it wouldn't have done it. <laughs> maybe not. Well, Fishy, he could be Compared to Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, you could say that, yes, of course, Jeffrey Dahmer was born a sociopath, but add that sociopathy to the loneliness and neglect that he suffered throughout his childhood and throughout his teen years, and that pushes him uh, to make best friends with a uh, 14-year-old Filipino boy that he drills in the head and shoots uh, with certain chemicals. Well, he was just trying to make a lover that he keep forever. That's what we're yeah. all looking for. <laughs> Dahmer really did not have that bad of a childhood. But. No, he had a fine childhood, but he was he was a... Uh, but it's he the created soup. his own world of loneliness. Yeah. yeah. It's the soup that we talk about. Right, right. You know, it's like, that's just... Uh, he did not have that bad of a childhood. It wasn't that terrible, but it was nothing but loneliness and isolation. And when you add all those things up, you add sociopathy plus uh, loneliness and isolation plus... Uh, hating himself for being a homosexual plus alcoholism and that adds up to Jeffrey Dahmer the serial killer. It was really oh. the beer base that made it good, the nice burr blanc. All right, let's get back him. Yeah, let's get back to the carp himself. <laughs> now, a lot like Charles Manson, Fish was a small sensitive kid who was beaten mercilessly and was sexually assaulted by the larger older boys in the orphanage. But Unlike Manson, flipped it and turned it around into an almost manipulative currency, Fish eventually learned 
to like. He flipped it in reverse in his own way. That's how you do this, guys. That's you. You got to adapt. Yeah, you got to adapt. And Fish's sexual awakening, if you could call it that, happened when Fish witnessed the orphanage guardians whipping young boys six at a time naked so they could all see each other's injuries. See, that's where it get, it gets bad. That's where it gets weird. But I feel like I wish you could have just turned it into like, I, I'm going to make paddles for the world so that everybody can be spanked into a smile. <laughs> could be. It's like yeah. the Willy Wonka of ball gags. Get into, you sort of get into the sex business. Yeah, get into yeah. the sex business. Well, that's completely healthy. For sure, yeah. You got to get a connection with someone who sells rubber. <laughs> that's <laughs> tough to do. I don't want to meet the man who's just like, yeah, I got a whole warehouse of rubber. But my problem is... Is Albie, is how do I make it so you can fuck it? Oh. That is the problem, isn't it? <laughs> now, Fish said that his first sexual feeling came before the age of seven. That was when Albert was whipped, and more importantly, when he heard and saw other boys being whipped. This is when he first latched on to the screams. Of course, this is also where Jesus got wrapped up in all of this. Because the supervisors would read passages from the Bible as they beat him, particularly verses about sins of the flesh. And somehow Mm. the ideas of God, pain, punishment, and pleasure got inextricably tied up in Albert Fish's head. And they would never come apart for the rest of his life. And as we know is that once something sexually linked in the in the human in the uh, male mind specifically once your sexual the uh, intricacies clicks in there. You're yeah. all m- mixed into pain then you're fucked forever. You're huh. done. But can you imagine the other orphans just like literally being like, "Hey, hey, I'm an eggs. Hey, welcome to the home of for naughty boys. Hey, we're having fun here, all right? Uh, what a yeah. great game. Everybody look at the dead pigeon the other day. It's nice to have you. It's nice to have a seventh man. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, um, we were noticing a thing. Like, when you know when he'd line us up and the six of us and give us a bit of a whippity whip and then we've got to make with the noise and order to make them to stop, you know? Me and the other boys are talking about it. <laughs> and couldn't help but think, you seem to like it. And I wish you'd stop liking it. Because I tell you what, for me, I hate it. I don't like it one bit. Because that's why I'm screaming. You know? And when I'm screaming and I look over at you and you're smiling and you got a bit of a tent going, kind of makes me resent you. And that's why we all felt we need to, to express ourselves here, Ammonix. All right? So flip it around. Give us a frown next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that the other kids were jealous of his sheer joy over their pain. Can you just imagine that? Just staring at him, and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> like, even as a boy, just Six like... Six years old, yeah. It's like, yeah, I think that if you just spank the little ones a little harder, it'll make a higher-pitched noise. And you sneak... You get the little, the fatter ones, and you spank him a little bit, he'll make a lower noise. Oh, I see. Sort of. Yeah, like playing the, like playing the uh, glass wine glasses. Yeah, the wine glasses. <laughs> now, there was a particularly disturbing incident that Albert Fish related to Dr. Wortham years later. Although, as we said earlier, we have no idea whether this actually happened, whether it halfway happened, or if it was pure fantasy. But this is the story that Fish told of his orphanage years. I am a man of passion. You don't know what that means unless you are my kind. 
at the orphanage where they put me just before Garfield was assassinated. Not the cat. Oh, okay. Good. It was the man, the president. There were some older boys that caught a horse in a sloping field. They got the horse up against a fence down at the bottom of the field and tied him up. An old horse. They put kerosene on his tail and lit it and cut the rope. Away went that old horse, busting through fences to get away from the fire. But the fire went with him. That horse, that's me. That's the man of passion. The fire chases you and catches you, and then it's in your blood. And after that, it's the fire that has the control, not the man. Blame the fire of passion for what Albert Herbert Fish has done. I'm having one. I can't even make it through the story. God, you guys got a pillow. Right. Now, if that story was told by an entrepreneur, it's actually kind of um, it's kind of motivational. Yeah. You are you are driven by your passion, and it forces you to run. I mean, it ultimately entre- consumes yeah, you. It's like if that was, but if that like say if that was Mark Cuban, sure. Yeah, that's what he lights his tail on fire, and he goes every day, and they won a championship because he founded German. <laughs> but if he's wearing a diaper and he has to remove a ball gag from his mouth yeah. and then tell the story. Well, that's different. Well, we don't know what Cuban's into. <laughs> now, this incident with the horse, whether fiction or fantasy, could be related to another strange habit, which Fish would indulge in from time to time. He would soak a length of cotton in alcohol, stick it between his butt cheeks or all the way in the hole and light it on fire. So he was like a Yankee candle. <laughs> That's kind of nice. What's the smell on that? Old man cock. <laughs> Strange. Mm, just burnt pubic hair. Yeah. You know, when you light the candle, it makes the house smell worse. Yeah. I uh, And there, it's all the screaming and then the sounds of an old man coming. Did you say screaming? Do you got ice cream in here? <laughs> kind of funny. That is funny. That is kind of fun. But I also, like, again, we talk about the table metaphor. Yes. Now he's the vase and the candle. <laughs> yes. He's got the whole thing going on. Get some doilies on his nipples. Put some, you know. I don't know what can go in his mouth. Maybe some grapes or something. <laughs> yes, it's true. Oh, you put hard candy in his mouth. Ooh, that's Ugh. kind of fun. An after mint, an after dinner mint. Oh, and just the <laughs> clacking of the. You know when someone's got a mouthful of mints and it's just yeah. like, like, the clicking up against somebody's teeth. Totally understand that. <laughs> So at the age of nine, Fish's mother, who had somehow taken four years to find a job, removed Fish from the orphanage and brought him home. And at 12, Fish began a relationship with a boy who introduced him to the pleasures of drinking urine and eating feces, both of which would become lifelong habits for Albert Fish. Now, who is this mystery boy? He's a te- he was a telegraph boy. We don't okay. know his name. We don't know anything else about him. All we know is that he was a telegraph boy. Is he it didn't possible? live long. Did he not live long? <laughs> no child that grows up drinking piss and eating shit lives. Fish lived until 64. Oh, Or was touche. arrested at 64. He lived even longer. Well, it's like the girls from Two Girls, One Cup. Yeah. He, he he put it into a place, right? It's like Albert Fish like focused that into it. He wasn't just eating shit and drinking piss. He was yeah. also spanking, and he had several jobs <laughs> and marriages. This little boy yeah. just gave him the gifts. It was like um when Gandalf shows up with the ring. <laughs> sure. So yes, perhaps the apprentice surpassed the uh, the master. <laughs> unless it was Albert like a, being the apprentice in this situation. Unless it was a weird sort of like Mumbai scenario where they play with garbage and they treat it like it's toys. Like oh, he just yeah. had shit and piss, and he just thought it was food. Yeah, like somebody in solitary confinement. So Fish, 
He started visiting bathhouses every weekend to see nude boys and men, and soon after that began working as a corner boy prostitute. He even spent part of his 20s in Brussels working at a brothel where he specialized in giving and receiving flagellations. And I bet he got a lot of promotions. Yeah, because sure he had did. the he had the power inside of him, a horse on fire, That's to it. spank buddy long, everybody longer and harder than any one of the other broken prostitutes in that Brussels whorehouse. Whatever your passion is, just be the best at it. Fine, yeah. yeah. Find your, find what you love and let it kill you, Charles Bukowski. That's right. <laughs> so at 17, Fish began his career as a painter, an occupation that he would hold for the rest of his life for a multitude of reasons specific to that of a pedophile and or child killer. First of all, many of the jobs he took were at places where children were readily available and vulnerable, like YMCAs, hospitals, and orphanages. Jimmy Savile would use this same technique decades later. Now, what I also find interesting is that in Depraved, they also said they was in. Uh, he would do it at homes of the tubercular. Yeah. And I think tubercular is a really weird way of saying, like, it's super rad to have tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a good name for my firstborn daughter. Tubercular! Tu- tubercular Kissel. <laughs> the second advantage of being a painter for fish was that the regular attire of a painter is usually overalls of some sort. But unlike the vast majority of painters, Fish almost never wore clothes underneath. Ugh. This mm. meant that Fish could be very quickly become nude should the opportunity arise. So he wasn't like Bob Ross painting. No, he no. wasn't. No, he was beautiful. painting he was painting like window panes and I and see. wall like he was the guy He's that He's a house painter. He was the guy that would paint the walls of a mental asylum that horrible puke green color. Ah, yeah. And, but he was good at it. He was really good at it. Almost cuz he would just Bank the walls with the paintbrush, <laughs> right. and they were like, "It's an interesting style." But he manages to get most of the wall. Yeah, kind of um, a Jackson Pollock type. He's also very <laughs> similar to the just the life attitude of Picasso. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but I got this jar of uh, spicy pepper honey the other day. It was spicy <laughs> pepper and ginger honey, and I open it up. And I smelled it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the worst smells I've ever smelled in my life. I can imagine. But I can imagine that that's what Albert Fish's fucking body <laughs> must have smelled like. I like putting what, smells no, in there. A, what is it? A pepper? What? It's spicy. It's got black pepper seasoning in it with ginger mixed with honey, like an earthy honey, right? You know Jesus. when they made that, they were like, what idiot's going to buy this? And then he's just like, just can it. Somebody buys it. Literally, it just says on it, says it's like cab driver scented. Because <laughs> that's how it smells. But can you wow. imagine just seeing Albert Fisher's bony body Ugh. underneath these overalls, <clears throat> him winking at just going like, I'm going to need a little bit of help painting here. I can't seem to get the lower areas. Oh, God, little boy. Oh, God. Oh, God, help a painter. And that was like, which is really, you know, not enticing. Not enticing at all. So no. he had to switch it up. Yeah, he, he had to switch it up. Uh, but that's the thing is that Albert Fish, uh, he eventually went on to have six children. Uh, and mm. he worked as a painter for nearly 40 years. So this guy, first of all, he knew how children thought. He knew what children liked. He knew how to lure them because he always set up in a basement or a cellar. He And, of course, he had 40 years to figure out the best ways to do it. And not only that, he also knew how to pack things up and get the fuck out of there. He was like the Orville Redenbacher of child molestation. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looked like him, too. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Actually, yeah, he really did. Everyone looked the same back then because there was no weight. Everyone was thin. There was no food. That is <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. What a good diet. Yeah. <laughs> if only Michelle Obama could have seen. Um, but if you look poverty, at... Poverty. Sheer yes. poverty. 
Uh, if you, uh, how long you been doing comedy? About 15 years. 15 years. I'm on 15. Yeah, I'm on 15 in radio. We were like starting to get good now. Like this is the time I would say yeah. we're starting to get better. Getting there, yeah. He had 40 years of molest. Yeah, that's a, a lot of, that's a lot of logging hours. It says 10,000 hours to be an expert. Yeah. Right. Now think about how long is a molest, right? I'm not really sure. But the lead up to a molest sometimes can be days up to months because he would groom a child. Yeah, like that, that all counts. That all counts <laughs> towards <laughs> the... That's like if you were going to bill those hours, right. you would put that down on a timesheet. Yeah, for oh, example, absolutely. you know, like the last podcast on the left episode, it's not just the hour and a half of recording. It's the, you know, 20 to 30 hours of research leading up to that it. we put together together. To, my father used to be a truck driver. He didn't just get paid for unloading and unloading. It's the drive time. <laughs> would he also get paid for sitting and thinking about the drive instead of raising you? My father would Actually, he was sort of a televangelist over the old CB there. Oh, wow. What was his uh, call sign? B-Kraut. <laughs> B-Kraut, the big Kraut, the German. So he was really good at it towards the end because he yeah. murdered Grace Bud at the age of 58. What we're going to find out is that that letter that he wrote, the famous letter is what's going to end up getting caught. But that was six years later. Mm-hmm. So he got caught at the age of 64. So he had six years in the post game. Right, right. He had six years just still being out there searching for that ring. Yeah. Being a real LeBron. Yeah, we'll now, get into what he did there. I guess, yeah, huh? God knows what he did. Probably did a bunch of fucked up shit. Yeah. Because he never stopped. Yeah. He started at the age of 17 on a career of sexual depravity and then did not stop for 40 years. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text and that helps you save time i know i'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks now part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts now so what i've done to do is like so while i'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders. I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. 
Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and modern did everybody come around being like where'd you get that piece you beautiful woman and I was like stop talking to my wife she's spoken for you can see it with the blue Nile bling she's got on her right now get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code last podcast at blue Nile.com that's $50 off with code last podcast at blue Nile.com blue Nile.com No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right? I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right? My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Albert Fish. So Albert Fish, what he actually did uh, as far as the painting supplies, as far as moving around every time after the molestation or the murder, uh, depending on how brutal his actions were, he would move to a different neighborhood, a different city, or even a different state. Over his lifetime, Fish lived and worked in no less than 23 states from New York to as far as Montana. And in Hmm. every single state, he worked somewhere in which children were present and vulnerable. This guy, Albert Fish, was more than any other human that has existed. He is the boogeyman. Uh, Sort of Chikatilo-esque as well, the way that they moved around. Yeah, I mean, he was able to go from place to place, you know, and uh, he had absolutely no restrictions, you know, because, of course, there's no sex offender registry. None of these cities are talking to each other. They don't even know what he looks like. I mean, how long did it take to catch H.H. Holmes, who had Mm. three screaming kids along with him? And he was literally cackling like a madman the entire time. Yeah. But Albert Fish got the name of the gray man early on. 
one. Like it was yeah. a thing that he was that they would talk about this gray man that would show up, which is terrifying <clears> in the first place. It's like literally like that's what you got. That's what your legacy left is literally being called the gray man because his skin right. was like he had very, very, very pale complexion and that loopy fucking disgusting. What used to be icy blonde mustache now becomes slowly gray by the time he was like 25. Yeah. I mean, he must have been perceived as relatively worldly to somebody in Montana who I mean, they're never <laughs> they're never out of Montana for the most part, specifically during this time. They didn't know what people were like in New York. I'm sure he actually had some interesting conversations with people who thought he was just a super smart dude. Yeah. I just don't think you can trust anybody who can keep their whole life in one suitcase. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Because it means they're looking to leave. Totally. Yeah. yeah, and this guy, I mean, as far as the gray man went, when his picture came out, because his picture was sent out all over the country. This was a gigantic case. All over the country, there were people who remembered Albert Fish from their childhood, from decades mm. before. Like, that, there would be a childhood memory that would come up and they would say, oh my God, that's the gray man. That's the man that tried to kidnap me. That's the guy that, you know, a mother pulled a child away from, you know, decades before. He was that memorable and he was that scary. And there was someplace, the the first version of a John Walsh, but because there was no television and radio wasn't really that great, just putting on a one-man show all about trying to catch <laughs> Albert Fish, but you had to see the show to know that you that he was dangerous. You have to pay attention. You have to yeah. pay the admission to see the show, and then you got a trombone player open it because you need right. somebody need to bring opener, in the crowd. Yes, yeah. of course. So he's there, and he's up there. He's got cymbals on his shoes, and he's playing the trombone. Hey, but Ham he, and Eggs, go up there and warm him up. Warm him up for me. And he's just like, <laughs> like, I hate the name Ham and Eggs. And he's just like, yeah, well, so does everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of Fish's most disturbing early expeditions into the world of perversion came when he was working as a painter in Delaware in 1910, where he picked up a kid named Thomas Kedden. Now, Kedden was 19, but appeared to be much younger and had the intellect of a child, which made him, as far as Fish was concerned, just as good as a regular boy. <laughs> That's how the majority of celebrities date. That's actually how you do it. If you like unformed bodies, that's what you got to do. I mean, it's like that French guy who uh, married one of the Olsen twins. Ugh. They're strange looking. Yeah. Very, very strange looking. And also the way uh, Harold Schechter, I'm going to blame a little bit, because the way he described it as being like a tight-bodied young man. But he had yeah. the brain of a child, so yeah. it was like... Like a child. It was like some weird thing of being like, all right, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> and after introductions, because uh, Kedden had actually been riding the rails for a little while, trading blowjobs for protection. And that is true. That is true. Yeah, he was had been riding the rails. He got off in Delaware, uh, and Albert Fish found him and said, like, hey, why don't we go back to my place? The two went back to where Albert was staying. And what followed was a three-week-long Two-man orgy of perversion and degradation. Now, in a normal story... This would be you can like totally a, have a two men. You can have a two men an orgy, orgy with two uh, men. The uh, metaphorical orgy. We'll put it this way: there's four. Everybody's got four like digits. You got two <laughs> legs, two arms. So that's eight total. Dude, but those aren't people. What they were doing was like there were six guys in there, <laughs> like an octopi. Yes, literally, they were acting like six. Yeah. So I they see. were. But, but I, again, if this is just normal, this would just be an early story from Mick Jagger's life, <laughs> right? But this, so this was a kid that in this time period, people look for like he was looking for help and guidance and I'm sure Albert Fish which we're going to hear later on down the line would often portray himself as a man with a lot of money who is here to take care of you like he mm -hmm. would come he would had a get a persona as a Hollywood producer later on when he went, began his letter writing series but now I imagine the first thing he said to this kid was like you come with me you come with me little boy I'm going to make sure you're okay I'm going to feed you I'm going to take care of you and, 
and then but all you got to do is give me a little bit of spickety spank and then right. we'll be fine yeah. and he's like but Albert there's no table around to eat on <laughs> <laughs> bon appetit <laughs> do you have a rose yes and a night it's a beautiful night sure and spaghetti and I call it <laughs> spanky <laughs> Bella spanky no it started this whole thing started with mutually sadomasochistic behavior whipping each other uh you know, having various role play situations like father and son, teacher and student, so on and so forth. But it's always flipsy turbsies because he liked being the boy in those scenarios. Fish was always the little boy in these. Which is kind of weird, but still totally fine. I mean, this sort of I stuff. I guess. Technically, this is all legal. The kid's 19. It is yeah. legal. And yeah. everyone was dumb back then. <laughs> Technically, it is legal. And, that, and hell, you know, like this isn't much different from what anybody, any listener out there does or like is into. <laughs> you smile on your face. <laughs> Do you guys play little boy in school, Marm? We're Is not. Is it you and Pickle Girlfriend? No, we don't play little boy We're not boy talking about it. No, we do other things. All right, move on. I do Fox and Mulder. I do We're Scully not talking and Mulder. No one wants to hear about it. Scully and Mulder, She-Ra Scully and He-Man. <laughs> I do Wonder Woman and Wonder Man. There was no Wonder Man. There That's was. Wonder was, Man. Was, no, Wonder Man was in the Marvel Universe. Get rid of him. <laughs> Killer Croc and Spider Woman. <laughs> That's kind of fun. Yeah, and so, yeah, at first it was all right, you know, sadomasochism and uh, role play. Totally fine, not that weird. But then it jumped real far, real fast into drinking each other's piss and eating each other's feces. Mm. Uh, and it went even further from there. Fish started cutting the boy's butt cheeks, and then he would put his lips up to the wound and suck the blood out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like a coconut. It's like when you want to get maple syrup from a tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. Very Vermont. And the climax... I wonder if they called it the Vermont. <laughs> you want it? This, is, this is the Vermont. Oh. Ooh, what's that, Albert? <laughs> so the climax of the entire thing, so to speak, came when Fish tied up the boy, ostensibly for some regular S&M, because at this point, yeah, it was getting real weird, but it was also consensual at this point. But So Fish tied up the boy, got him hard, pulled out a pair of scissors, and started cutting off the head of the boy's penis. <gasps> now, what we're, we're going to see later on is that his castration mm. fantasies are oh. going to be for forever. Yeah. Like, this is the one... Of the, we're going to maybe say this is the first example of this. We don't but, know. But as what we've learned about serial killers up to this point is that normally people ramp up to their to extremities, right? Yeah. And so it seems like this maybe have been a thing he'd been thinking about since the very beginning. I don't know why, but for some reason, just cutting off the head... Sounds yeah. more disgusting. I feel like I could take it at the base. I feel like I got a strong base. <laughs> I don't the, think the so. The head is very sensitive. Yeah. I mean, the old thing's kind of sensitive. It's definitely, when he says, when I want to uh. give you a permanent downstairs haircut, you're like, okay, that's fine. My right. pubes are a little bushy. Right. But yeah. then he goes straight for the flower. Ooh, not good. <laughs> well, he didn't get all the way through because, I mean, I don't know why. I think this was just because it was early on in his experimentation phase. Uh, but the screams of uh, this guy, this kid, uh, too much for Albert Fish. He couldn't handle it. Okay. Uh, so he stopped the cutting, uh, dressed the wound, untied the boy, left 10 bucks on the floor, and went back to his home base 
of New York City. See, $10 is not enough. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a lot of money back I don't know, then. What's, what's $10 in nine? I mean, this is 1910. It's $10. Yeah. I bet you it's worth $150 right now. Not enough money. Yeah. No, it's still not it's enough. It's not an apology. Let's nope. see. Let's say $10 in 1910 money. Let's see? look this up right now. Oh, it only goes back to 1913, but I bet that's okay. Uh, $243. Not enough money. <laughs> 243 <laughs> not enough and money. And $0.47. Nope, just not, still not enough. No, it's now not My enough. price is higher. What is yeah. enough? $5 million. That's it? That's actually kind of cheap. I, yeah, that's real. Find that's somebody real. to do that. Yeah, that's, that's real low. Is that to yeah. lose the head of your penis? Not lose it. It's starting to cut it. Oh, just starting to cut it. But oh, then to it's cut fine. off the to cut off completely the head of my. You're penis? You're totally sober. Five million dollars is in front of you. Ugh. I don't know if I could do to it. To just take a little snip while you're do a hard. Snip? Do a snip, like kind of like just a just a tiny yeah. little bit of the scissor on oh. your heart. Well, we'll talk about that in a different episode. <laughs> Why though? This seems like to be the time and the place. The time to talk. This is the time to do it. This is when it happens. Five billion dollars. We can just say any arbitrary. <laughs> I take number. a billion dollars. I take a billion dollars because then you can get a new penis. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, but however, think of it this way: he cuts it off. But he keeps it. Yeah, maybe I just get a whole new one and make. I don't. Maybe I'll put. Maybe make it like a scene, a pro wrestling scene. As long as I don't have to watch him like put it on his nose and be like, "I'm Rudolph, I'm Rudolph," then <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, that would be terrible. Because that would be the memory that would haunt me forever. Yeah, be like, yeah. <laughs> so fish his home base was right where we're recording right now in New York City. New York! I heard if you can make it here, you can also maybe make it in California. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's actually more often that you'd make it in California because that's where the jobs are. Oh, we're um, in the place without the jobs. Yes, we are. We're in a fucking de- de- gridlock. We're making our own jobs, goddammit. Good job, Marcus. Yeah. Um, also, the kid that got his penis cut off grows up to be that was uh, Donald Trump's great-great-grandfather. <laughs> oh, isn't that something? Yes. <laughs> so, Fish moved here to New York City in 1898 and through his mother met and married his first wife very soon after. Fish, thing you got to know about him, he was eventually married three times, but he always chose women who were either into or at the very least tolerated his sexual perversions. But if you listen to the testimony of any of his three ex-wives, tolerated is a mild way to put it. The shortest of his marriages lasted 10 days Hmm. before the woman realized what she had gotten herself into and lit out. Because it's a problem. I understand. If it's your birthday... And you like to have a thing done to you. It is like a thing. There's a thing you like to do. It's like, you know, it's a special occasion. That That's fine. Oh, sure. But Albert Fish needed a, d- extreme sexual torture every time. Too much. And it gets down to point like, I've worked nine hours at the mill. Right. I, or various of the jobs, which I assume in 1910 all involved some form of mill. <laughs> you did a bunch. You toiled in a place where you're literally, wherever you worked in 1910, you're covered in soot. Yeah, not yeah. fun. You come home covered in soot. Albert Fish is there. He's got a fucking tablecloth over his head. He's just like, bon appetit. I hear it's to our reservations at 9.15. And it has to be that way every single time you're going to get out of it. It would be exhausting. It really would be. I mean, let's let's go through the typical courtship of 
Albert Fish. In January of 1930, Fish was wooing a widow that he had met through one of the matrimonial agencies that was popular at the time. This is 1930. You're in the Depression. No man is going to want to take on a few more dependents in addition to a new wife. Now, what I will say, I'll put this at, this is also after the fact that Albert Fish has already had six children with the woman that he was married to for 20 years. She left him for a lover that was a boarder in their house, which is interesting that she stuck around for so long yeah. until they got a young man living in the house. There's some weird boarder. I believe his name is Jacques. No, and they, John Straub. John Straub. <laughs> and so she left with him, and so he is now free to be as freaky as he wants to be, and so he goes and he joins these weird matrimony connection bullshitty things that he shows up at this widow's house. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to say? Good for her. Go for, for her. Good for her. Go for her. I'm going to say good for her. So on the first night that Albert came calling, he reportedly acted like a fairly normal human being. A little creepy in appearance, but for the most part, in behavior, fairly normal. He got acquainted with the widow and her children and made plans to come over the next night. The next night is when the games began. Hmm. The, the first game was called Buck Buck, How Many Hands Up? And all of these games came with a costume. Before playing the game, Albert would go into the bathroom and come out wearing nothing but a pair of brown shorts. And Harold Schechter again went on mm. to specifically say they were very thin. <laughs> yeah. And I also don't know how he knows that. I think it's more of like um, he just assumed. Well, uh, maybe he, if he's like me, it sounds like Fish is dressing exactly like an uncomfortable uh, European relative. Yes. They have different standards. The first time I was ever in Germany, I was like, what are you people wearing? Yeah. Very it, strange. It is a very sad. I mean, Germany is a, a strange country full of a strange people. They're flopping all around. <laughs> when they're not wearing ye- neon Adidas jumpsuits. Well, that's changed now. Well, this is how one would play Buck Buck, How Many Hands Up. Albert would hand the children a paintbrush that he had brought along with them. He'd tell them, hold a certain number of fingers up in the air, and I'm going to try to guess how many fingers you're holding up. And if I guess wrong, you're going to spank me with the paintbrush in correspondence to however many fingers you're holding up. For example, the kid has three fingers up. Albert says five. The kid hits him three times. And Albert was reportedly... Very bad at guessing. You, oh, so he's bad at the game. That's weird. It seems like then then why would he want to get punished? It seems weird. Yeah, that is weird. I just want to also clarify, technically it should be buck buck how many fingers up um, <laughs> because the answer is always two he in his hands. He was legitimately just improving the name. He was okay. making this up as he goes. I'm just saying these kids could have just been like, trick question, it's always two. He was being a regular Robin Williams in this scenario and he literally was just figuring shit out as he was going. He was like, how do I get them to spank me? Ah, finger games. And it's like, that's all you could think of. But sometimes you can't be totally accurate if you're an improv Comedian. I'm Drew Carey with Whose Line Is It Anyway? I give you a seven. <laughs> kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. They'd play this game every night for an hour until Fish introduced another game called Sack of Potatoes Over, which I really don't want to get in a sack of potatoes. I over. would like to get over. I'd like to get into <laughs> it. You want to get into it? I would like to get into it. Uh, uh, it's right here. It's called Sack of. So this is from the little girl's court testimony uh, from the book Deranged. Sack of potatoes over, and how was that one played, inquired Dempsey. He put on those little trunks, and then he would throw us up on his shoulder, and we would slide down his back, and we would scratch him with our nails. And by the time we would get through playing, why, his back would be red. Jesus. I don't think... 
I mean, that, I, it's tough to say which one is worse. They're all disgusting. I don't know why, but sack of potatoes over that one creeps me out more because there's actually because I think there's a an actual skin to skin contact with uh, with Buck Buck. How many hands up? At least it's just a paintbrush. Yeah, sack of potatoes over. You can just pretend like you're a drunk cat going down the curtains. <laughs> no, that's what it is though. That's what he wants you to be. He wants you to be normal. He's the curtains. He wants you to be normal. Yeah, you're normal. He's the curtains. I want to be Heathcliff. <laughs> no, you can't be Heathcliff. Cliff. I always he's... liked Heathcliff more than Garfield, by the way. Because you, you love the homeless. That's right. Um, it's not a fun game. No. no. It's not fun for anyone. Um, and, no. it's, and it is a very weird way to get to know the woman you're dating's children. And keep in mind, this is day two. We're just into 48 hours here. Yeah, this is uh, not too long into the courtship. And each game got... Prog- I mean, this was a grooming process. And each game got progressively weirder and more violent. The third game... Albert Fish came over with a sack of small needles and he told the kids, all right, this game is that we're going to see how many needles we can shove underneath our fingernails. What do you mean by game? This doesn't seem like a game. Yeah, it's a thing. Is that normally in a game there's points and prizes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that he told them that's what we're going to do and the kids said, no, this hurts quite a bit. And he said, okay. Well, I'm going to play by myself. Hmm. And he shoved multiple pins underneath his fingernails until both of his hands were covered in blood. And again, each one of these things on their own aren't necessarily the worst thing that's ever happened. Mick Foley, for example, the great professional wrestler, did the exact same thing as a child. Like literally used to roll around in thumbtacks to toughen himself up for the future Japanese death yeah, matches. It's different. He was he was weird. Yeah, he, he was, was weird. Yeah, I'm just he was saying. Just weird. And he it, loved Christmas. He everyone loves Christmas. <laughs> Albert Fish definitely loved Christmas because then he could put on a beard to hide his identity. Yes, but we all had a creepy friend who would poke themselves with needles. No, we didn't. Uh, I did not. Hmm. Marcus? Uh, <laughs> no, I think I, I'm fairly certain I remember a kid poking themselves with needles. It yeah. might have been me. Yeah, totally. See, I had my kids were more like into into front, like weapons and like karate and See, shit like that. I know guys like yeah. that that were big into like wanting to shoot up the school. Yeah. You're Queens, New York. Marcus is Texas. I'm Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different worlds. Mm-hmm. Yep. The weirdest thing about all of this, I would say. I mean, Trust Albert me, Fish. I mean, in the end, Albert weird. Fish is always the it's weirdest thing weirdest in the whole in the yeah. whole scenario. It's, it's always going to be extremely weird. Yeah. But in context, this is, I think, maybe not weird. Odd, I guess, would be the word. Is no, that, I'd say fucked up. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> well, this is. It's just odd. What he would do after every time he would play the game, he'd go into the bathroom, take all the toilet paper off of the roll, bunch it up on the floor. And light it on fire. No, that was from the testimony of uh, the widow. We went to talk about it in, during the trial. She said that that's what she discovered. But honestly, I think he had shoved it up his ass, yeah. set it on fire, and then threw it on the floor. Because what we're going to see later on is that when he was d- going from house to house, Albert Fish liked to play a weird sexual game where he'd leave shit uh, on the bed and on the right. floor of places that he left in order to know that he could like he could sexually <clears throat> get off on the fact that they'd have to clean it up. Yeah, and I'm going to say that's. Not- not the weirdest thing. Sack of potatoes, the scratchy game there, the, I mean, the needles, uh, and then uh, in uh, Buck Buck Hands Up. This reminds me almost on par with what the Wet Bandits did in Home Alone. <laughs> it's very Just lighting similar. lighting toilet paper on, on fire in the bathroom before you leave. That's kind of humorous. And for what Daniel Stern did in that film, I imagine oh. he was very deeply sexually aroused well, that's, <laughs> the entire time. If you really want to think about how disturbing Home Alone could have been. <laughs> 
Can you imagine it just oh. Home Alone is just the beginning is the first 15 minutes is just breaking in yeah. and then tying up Macaulay Culkin and then getting him hard and trying to cut off his penis? Well, it's a good thing his parents bought him all those micro machines. <laughs> Now, these weird games, the weird toilet paper on fire habit, he did this every single night for 10 nights straight, alternating between the games, always with the fire. And despite all of this, the widow agreed to marry him after 10 days. And she was present for all this. The kids, you can understand, like, Mm -hmm. you can understand kids... They don't know what's normal. They don't know. They trust adults. And like we said earlier, Albert Fish had a lot of kids. He had six kids. So he knew how to normalize pretty much anything. It reminds me of the pretty much the only funny thing that Mad TV ever did, which was their lowered expectations. Yes. Lowered <laughs> expectations. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. And she was at this, but this, you know, this uh, woman, this widow, she was present for all this, uh, but it seems like she was fine with all this shit happening to her kids, but when it came time for her to actually participate in Albert Fish's weird bullshit, she only lasted 10 days. Or she just found out that he loved the band Chicago. And <laughs> oh there are people God. that love the band Chicago and people who who hate the band I Chicago. I like the band Chicago. Yeah, I'm, a man, I'm a Man is a fantastic song. I'm just stronger every day. It's, one of my, it's a pump-up song I listen to before I go into auditions. <laughs> is Reeling in the Years? Is that Chicago? No, it's Steely Dan, you oh, idiot. Steely Dan's good. You rube. Steely really, But that's the... I wonder what finally broke, like, broke the camel's back on that. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. Um, You know, we've hmm. been talking about this guy for a while now, for about an hour. And uh, we make a lot of jokes, making a lot of yucks. We're making some yucks. You know what? It just hit me, which is really odd that it just hit me after hours of reading, reading the entire book of Deranged, doing all stuff. Are we Um, doing a greater good for society or uh, are we creating a world that's worse? I actually don't know. Number one, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And number two, um, this man's very frightening. Yes. Are you just not? You're just not getting that? It's really interesting. If you really think about it, it's like he literally is a vision from a nightmare. He's like everything you want. He looks like a kindly old man. He knows how to manipulate children. He becomes known as the gray man. He is is a a villain. He is like literally like uh, like Freddy Krueger. Like what Freddy Krueger was before they set him on fire and then he became a dream monster. Hours of research, multiple documentaries, multiple readings of books, pages, words. It's not until just now that I realized that he's very scary. What did you think he was before? Sort of a Henny Youngman? (laughs) Just keep kind of focusing on how horny he was and what a naughty boy he thought he was and the sounds of spanking. It was mostly just kind of grossed out Mm -hmm. by an old man being sexually active. That's really what I was mostly afraid of Mm -hmm. is the sexually active nature of an old man, which is kind of sad for me that I did that because eventually we will be old men and we will be horny and we will feel like we need sex and love and then I will feel gross about that myself. Yeah. No, you didn't have sex until the day you die. Yeah, I know this. Now I realize this. What I really should have been upset about is the is the, the molestings and, yes. the, and the murders. Yes, this is... Well, uh, I'm that, happy that you got here. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. happy you got there. Uh, how you're feeling is how I feel for 20 to 30 hours every single week. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, welcome. He's very frightening. <laughs> he is the definition of horror. Yeah. He is awful. He I is. tell I you mean, what, I would have socked him one. I would have punched him. <laughs> I would have loved to beat him to death again like a carp. <laughs> well... I mean, as frightening as he was to uh, this family, to these children, uh, and even after his crimes came out, uh, he kept in contact with a couple of these kids. Uh, Uh, And his kids. He was very close with his kids, especially his daughters. He did not do anything to them. We're going to go into that into later episodes, but he had a very tight familial unit, which is fucked up. Makes him very similar to Dennis Rader. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Donald Trump. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Look at the way he touches Ivanka. Maybe they didn't have sex, but they kind of had sex. Ugh. 
<laughs> yeah, but they actually exchanged letters while they were in, uh, while Albert Fish was in prison. They exchanged a lot of letters, and this letter uh, that Henry's going to read right now, this is a letter that Albert Fish wrote to his stepdaughter on the occasion of her 18th birthday. Now, again, remember, Albert Fish was sexually, compulsively writing letters. Yeah. It was a sexual thing as well. So the beginning of this letter starts <clears> with <throat> saying, I wish I could send you $20 so you could buy a new watch. But I just bit off this dude's penis in prison. I, get, I had to give him my I 20 I had to give him $20 because <laughs> now the price keeps going up. Right, of course, inflation. <laughs> my Every God. time. Dearest, sweetest Mary, daddy step kitty. So my sweet little big girly will be 18 on the 28th. I wish I could be there. You know what you would get from your daddy? I would wait until you were in bed, then give you 18 good hard smacks on your behind. You speak of being at the big games, fun. Here in New York City, there's nearly always some kind of game going on. In the public schools and all of the YMCAs, they have large swimming pools. If a man or a boy wants to use this pool, he must take all of his clothes off and go in bare naked. There is one of the largest pools in the U.S. in the West Side at YMCA, and sometimes there are over 200 men and boys, all of them naked. Any boy or man can go in and see them for 25 cents. Now you know well, sweet honey bunch, that most all girls like to see a boy naked. Especially the big boys. Do you know, sweet Mary, what the girls do to get in and see the show? Many of them have boyish bobs. They dress up in their brother's clothes, put on a cap and go to the Y. Quite often a boy will come out of the water and stands so close to a girl dressed in boy's clothes, she can and does touch his naked body. Be careful, all of you, my sweet kitties. Don't go outdoors in the snow unless you have on rubbers. Now listen, my little miss, don't you keep me waiting so long for another of your sweet dear letters. If you do... Someday I shall come out there again and give you another sound spanking. You know where? I mean, it's like uh, if your if your earbuds unplugged from your work computer uh, <laughs> during that, I apologize for you being terminated immediately. I just wish um, I just wish my father because let me. I talk to my father like maybe two or three times a year. Sure, that's all you got to <laughs> talk to a dad for. And never, all, you never have to talk to your dad. That's he, one of the greatest things about being guys. He knows we exist. You know what I mean? He, he already did care. his job. Yeah. I just wish he stopped telling me how to see boys naked at the YMCA every <laughs> yeah. single time. Yes, and by Ask the way, me how the weather is there and the differences between the weather here and the weather there. I'm not letting this Barbara Streisand Yentl thing go. <laughs> Barbara Streisand and Yentl dressed up like a boy, and the, she looks just like the boy uh, Mr. Fish is discussing in his little letter. Interesting. Barbara I just think Streisand. that's what you imagine Yentl. sexually is Yentl. <laughs> when a Yentl. bunch of Yentls walking around the YMCA. And I'm so just... you just hope that all boys' rooms in YMCAs are just filled with young Barbara Streisands dressed up as boys. Are you going to be a star? Are you a star? Are you a star? <laughs> mm. And that seems as good as place as any to end part one of Albert Fish. And as we were saying, Woo. this guy is frightening. The nightmare is only beginning. It gets so 
much worse from here. All right. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, no, amazing. It's uh, really very job, disgusting. You know what's weird, though, is that it doesn't fill me with the same hollowness that Dean Coral did because mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting to find out about new sexual fetishes. It's kind of, I kind of think it's kind of cool to figure all that shit out that he invented all this kind of stuff like he's Thomas Edison. Oh, no. He didn't invent any of this he didn't, stuff. Yeah. A boy told him how to do it in the first place. Yeah. 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 It was oh, passed yeah. down. Yeah. It was passed down from boy to boy. Yes. Like how <laughs> the Japanese the culture has great stories passed on to generation yeah. to generation. Yeah, this it's boy. like the sexual version of oral tradition. You do wonder no. if, if Albert Fish would have taught somebody else to eat piss and shit, then is the curse lifted? Maybe the boy <laughs> that taught him that was just like, thank God I no longer have this fetish. Like, it follows. Yeah, like it follows. You uh, you just give it to somebody else. Have you seen the Adam Sandler movie, The Cobbler? <laughs> I missed that one. It's like that, but with shit eating. Oh, I see. Uh, wow, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Um, uh, let's see here. Marcus, do you want to talk about the Patreon? I mean, everyone's been so amazing. Yeah, everyone's been so great. Thank you so much uh, for giving to uh, our Patreon. We actually had, the reason why we uh, didn't have an episode last week is because we had some major equipment issues here in the studio. And the only reason why we are up and running this week, while we're back up and running so <clears throat> fast, is because of the money that you guys have given to the Patreon. You guys gave us a nice little nest egg to dip into when we needed it the most. So thank you so much to every single person. If you guys feel like, uh, if you're not given yet and you feel like that we deserve a, a little bit of cash uh, for the show that we do it here every single week go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left you can give as even a little as little as a dollar uh, helps us it out helps. if every single one of you guys gave a dollar it, it would be life changing honestly it's because yeah. cash does, doesn't fix all problems but cash fix about 99.9999% of all problems yes uh, yeah. yes absolutely and uh, so thank you guys so much for supporting us here and thank you for listening to all the shows on Cave Comedy Radio, specifically the ones that Marcus and I do together, uh, the Roundtable of Gentlemen, and of course, Page 7. I was just a guest on Page 7 yeah. with Jackie Zabrowski, uh, f- filling in for Molly Neffel. And, you know, there's no better replacement for Molly than Fox News' Ben Kissel. Absolutely. She loves that. Like, like literally, if you want, it's like if Molly Neffel was pulled from the hell dimension from Event yeah. Horizon. <laughs> I'm exactly what she would look like. Yes. Uh, and, of course, Abe Lincoln's top hat for, uh, for everything political. It's a very exciting time. Uh, Donald Trump just said he would, uh, why can't he nuke the world? So we're going to talk about that this he week. He is a fucking monster. It is insane, bro. Do you think he's trying to quit? I think he is just like, what do I have to say before they shoot me in the head? Yeah, please. And like, so I can dude, get out of this reality. He just, like, he's just waiting to be like pulled, kicking and screaming so he can blame everybody else. Yeah, so right? we can sell another show. I, yeah, I yeah. think this whole joke went on far too long, and he's completely over his weird, weird head. Yeah, he absolutely is. And, uh, of course, if you guys uh, dig music, go listen to my uh, music show, The Lucky Bone Show. You can find that at Mixcloud.com slash Marcus Parks. But not a new episode today, right after oh, I nice. finish up with last podcast. Oh. And, of course, The Roundtable of Gentlemen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got, uh, I will say, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell is coming back in October, which I cannot wait. You're going to get the first six episodes of our new third season, which nice. fucking kicks ass. It's going to be at the shit. And I want to thank Troma for throwing a lovely <laughs> Troma dance oh, yes. last weekend. We yeah. had a lot of fun. I love those all those people. John over there is a really good dude, and Lloyd Kaufman is a ridiculous oh human being. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you guys uh, for uh, allowing uh, my band, The Cowmen, to play uh, Troma dance. It was fucking awesome. Thank you guys. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And thanks, everyone, who came out to the last live show. It was a real, dare I say, hoot. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and follow our- us on, on Twitter. 
Uh, at Marcus Parks, at Henry Loves You, at Ben Kissel. That's it. And our next live show is coming up on August 19th in Baltimore at Auto Bar. Uh, just Google Auto Bar, last podcast on the left to get your tickets. We're almost sold out, so be sure to get those before the show comes because usually uh, tickets get sold out a couple of days, or yeah. tickets get sold out at least a week before. And it really uh, does show you how far we've come uh, with Auto Bar. The last time we played there, what was it, four or five months ago, we were upstairs in the attic hiding from the Gestapo, and now they have us down. Downstairs in a beautiful, uh, in a, in a in a beautiful, I guess, theater or what do you call these things? Venue. Can I ask which one of us is Anne? And Marcus Frank? is yeah. actually Anne. Totally Are you Anne. the Anne? Frank? Yeah, because yeah. I think you're the one who would just be like, "She's up here," <laughs> and then I'd be like, "Hello, gentlemen, yeah. I am one of yours." Yeah, oh. hi, yeah, hail Hitler! Uh, everybody having a good time? Huh? Well, you the, want some cashews? Um, all right, hail yourselves! Hail Satan and, and hail Gein. Also, I'm going to ask Satan today. Satan, please, Satan, can you make Donald Trump shit his pants one point today? Thank you very his much. His poll numbers are just going to go up. Hail Satan <laughs> and hail me if you want to go send me. And may gustalations. But gustalations, little shits. Hey, guys, don't molest anybody today, all right? Thanks. So. Ever. Um, all right, everyone. These are our Patreon shout-outs. This is a thank you to everybody who has given to our Patreon so far. Uh, every single person who uh, who act. Every single thank you for the. This is a thank you for the people who have given to Patreon. Thank you so much. Um, let's see here. I'm just going to read the list. Yeah, and if you want to give to Patreon, yeah. go to uh, patreon.com slash lastpodcast on the left to get your very own shout-out. Very exciting. These shout-outs are fun for everybody, and I want to give a special shout-out to one of my favorite people in the game of Clue. I don't think he did it. Bob Peacock. <laughs> uh, Bob Peacock, thank you so much for giving. Mark Heron, thank you so much as well. Cody Stewart, you sound like a NASCAR driver, but you're smarter than that. Zach Brame, it's Zach with an X, so he's edgy. What do you mean? The first letter is, is X. X? But I think it's pronounced Zach because fucking alien? Zach isn't a name. You cannot have that name. He has it. It's Zach Brame. It is not legal. It is. Steven Hernandez, Timmy Nolan, Connor O'Mara, Monica Williams, Katie Barrett, and Rob Epps. Thank you guys so much, literally from the bottom of my weird big too large of a heart. His heart is green if you cut him open because oh. he's like the Hulk. Wild. Danny Carroll, nice name. Thank you, Jamie. Or is it Jaime? Jaime? I mean, I think it's up to you. It's now Jaime. Mike Patterson. That sounds like a pseudonym. Sounds like you killed a girl a long time ago and you changed your name from fucking Deirdre Rickery to Mike Patterson. So Deirdre thank you. Sounds like Whatever. It's, it's, it could be. It's one of those like, it's like Dana or Ashley. Okay. Ivy Samples. Thank you. Sandra Bennett. Thank you. Lindsay Traeger. Thank you. Thomas K. Spence. You're welcome. I'm going to say you're fucking welcome. <laughs> Magustalations. Magustalations. Yeah. Thank you for liking us. Ashley K. Glowing Frenulum. Her name is Glowing Frenulum? Frenulum? Frenulum. Sometimes people on uh, Patreon give aliases. Oh, that's kind of fun. That's probably smart. Yeah, probably. Robert Fauerbach. And I've got Dominique Noyola. Appreciate it. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Tops Bottoms. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer Ruth. Thank you, Stephanie Diamond. Ooh. Anthony Coleman, Ryan Cooper, and Chad Trudgeon. Thank you, all three. Also, thank you to Matt Ford and Tom V. Evans. All right, this first name, I think it's pretty saucy. It's pretty hot. It's Libby Hawker. Mm. All right, Isabel. I actually really like that name, Libby Hawker. Libby Hawker's a nice name. It's a cute mm. name. Isabel. Thank you, Isabel. Anthony McClintock. And remember, McClintock, a very famous actor from back in the day. There's a television series or a movie called it. Yeah, a television series. 
All right. Caitlin Parker. Uh, Anna Anna Parent. Okay, see now you're trying to trick me up. Let me read. It. Now she's trying to trick. No, I'm on to Anna. She wants to, she wants to make me look bad over the radio waves. Anna Parentoni. <laughs> yeah, we're still good. Uh, Victoria Patterson. Dylan Rostick. Alex Hirsch, Zane Raza, which sounds like a hell of a heavy metal singer, mm. Zane Raza, and Jonathan Singer. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to James de Trinidad. Bro, bro, you got to get my guts, dude. That's Trinidad to you? I, I guess. It's actually a very rich culture. Yeah. Karina Stevens, thank you. Claire Johnson, thank you. Constance Turner, I believe I know Constance. Oh, yeah. You're wonderful. Yes. Alyssa D'Antonio, Jean-Michel Pierre, thank you, Bethany Cohn, Blake, Lacey Teets, who I do know, and she is lovely, and thank you so much for giving to us, Lacey. You're wonderful. Yes, Lacey is wonderful. And Meg. (laughs) And Meg? The family guy character? He just says Meg. Oh, cool. I got Chase T. Hopper, Graham Irvin, Irwin? Irvin. Is it a W or a V? It's a W. That's mm. Irwin. No, well, I'm, I'm doing it the German style. Oh, don't do that. Caleb Sanford. Stephen Versten. That's actually Wursten, but Versten, that, Ooh, that's yeah, a very sure, German sure, sure. name. Yeah, that yes. one works. Yeah. Jamie Ilsley. Mitch Lievel. Scott Spiller. Jordan Landeverde, which means mm. the Greenland. AJ Barroso. And Allison Goodman. Thank you, every single one of you. Yeah. We very much appreciate it. And usually when Marcus lists off a series of names, that means they're all victims of a killer. So <laughs> you guys are all doing better than usually the people he names. Uh, all right, I got this dude, uh, Matthew Magitland. Mid- Ma- Maitland. There's a bit Magidal- of a typo there. I thought there was a J, but it's not. It's just a little, it's got a little thing on the printout. Matthew Maitland, Bryce Barnett, Dana Scully, Nick. Dana Scully. Then just Nick. Thank you, Nick. Sinos, which is a very fun thing. Daniel Fortas, Callan Piercy, Donald Grayson. Sounds like a politician. Jonathan Orms and Liana Medina. Thank you. Hector Guzman. Thank you. Julaine Wood. Thank you. Thank you. Lex. Just Lex. Lex. Leave her alone. Chris Wilhelm. Taylor Groot. Chris Carlin, Sarah Bird, Brett Rapp, Vadim Vesilov, and Lee Porter. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I'm getting all the Germans. Here's to Dave Hauslein, Eileen Ellen Alpsbude, Jennifer Moon, Chris Pocket, Bjorn Mueller, Lee Itri, Ian, Hannah Diamond, Brandon Riffle, <laughs> I like Brandon Riffle. <laughs> yep. And Tammy Groves, thank you. We appreciate every single one of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. also Fred Noop, Alex Azalian, who I've seen on Instagram many times. Hello and thank you. You are lovely. Thank what's, you. What's Hail the- Satan. Jared Sandor and Tim Valenta. Ooh, what's the one impression I could do on page seven? What was that one? Oh, uh, oh god damn it. Uh, it's very good. I want to do it. It was great. Shit. Uh-oh. I can do Todd Koppel. Uh, Hi, I'm Todd Koppel. Uh, <laughs> That's good. I could do uh, Eddie Murphy from uh, Norbit. Do it. How you doing? 
<laughs> you know, all right, Tim Gunn. One. Tim Gunn. What's your Tim Gunn? Tim Gunn. That sounds a lot like Ted Koppel. Uh, all right, Leah Murphy. Thank you, Mickey Pang. Thank you so much, Mickey. Jenna Pucci and Eric Evans. Thank you guys so much. I got Robert Perez, Harmony Perry, Chester McDowell, and finally Margaret Hogg. Call me now. <laughs> Call me now. Call me now. <laughs> Call me now. Yeah, yeah. That was the Madam Cleo. Rest in peace. That's it. Yeah. And yep. So, um, thank you for your fucking money. Yeah. Uh, hail uh, Satan. Keep it coming. Need your cash. Give me your money. No, well, Give me your you goddamn money. You can't do it like that. Come over yeah, here. Come on. Clothes on. Come on. I got no clothes on. Nope. Absolutely. Nope. Leave your clothes on. Leave your clothes on, please. Give us money to keep Henry's clothes on. That's actually a good reason to give us money. Or yeah. pay me money to take it off. No one does that. We're losing money. Pay it to see it. Pay, no, my, pay money oh to my, my penis to see it. No one wants to do that. Um, hail yourselves. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. You guys are the best. Yeah, thank you so much. Patreon.com slash last podcast on the left if you want to give. Thank you so much, guys. You have no idea how much we appreciate it. Magustalations. Hail Gein. Hail Goodbye. me. Goodbye. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. I was shocked, you know. They were always such a good team, so successful. But to do something like that, to exceed their budget? While being over budget might not be a crime, it can disrupt workflows. With Monday.com, you and the team can be sure that you're all in sync. All the data, latest updates, files, and budgets are visible to everyone, so you won't miss a thing. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.